Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit fightradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Dina Miriam, and we will be talking about her newest book, When the Bright Moon Rises, The Awakening of Ancient Memories. When the Bright Moon Rises is first and foremost a love story, a love story between the sages and cosmic forces known as as the deities love of the sages for the people, and love between individuals seeking to express this universal force of love that exists within all of us. It is also a study of karma, the cosmic law of cause and effect. Dana is an author, storyteller, and founder and convener of the Global Peace Initiative of Women, WPIGPIW, which seeks to bring spiritual resources to address critical global challenges such as conflict, social justice, and ecological scarring of the earth. Over the years, she has worked to bring greater gender balance and between the Abrahamic and Dharma-based religious traditions for more inclusive interfaith movement. For more information, you can visit the website, the Global Peace Initiative of Women website, which is gpiw.org. And with that, I'd like to welcome D- Dina to the show. Good day, Dina. Good day. So happy to be here. Thank, Thank you, you for, that for introduction. joining me. To- <laughs> <laughs> it's my pleasure, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to talking to you about, you know, your your book and, and uh, just, you know, kind of your, your, your path. So let, let's start with the... Um, the book. Um, can you give us kind of like what a storyline? Can you tell us what, you know what the book is about? How it came about? Yeah. Well, I, I have to give a little preface in that um, I, I had written two earlier books. Um, the first book I wrote, My Journey Through Time, uh, was it was it was a sort of a, a summary of my experiences over the past twenty thirty years of past life recollections. And and um, my tr- my effort to understand this law of cause and effect, how karma works, because everything in our current life is the result of something from the past. And knowing this um, means that everything that we are doing today will determine our future. So I've always had a tremendous interest in this law of cause and effect, trying to understand why certain things are the way they are in my life, and and you know how I can can can. Um, shape a future that I want. So that was the first book, and 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 I and I was able to record um, seven lives and see the karmic relationships as things that happen in one life naturally led into another, naturally led into the next, naturally led into the next, and it just seemed like this amazing weaving, uh, uh, which which. Um, showed me that, you know, our desires are fulfilled, you know, things that we can't have in one life we get in the next life. It was just a beautiful awakening experience for me. 
then I finished that book, and and um, I was in India uh, a few years after that, and began to have recollections of an even earlier time, which I wrote about in the in the book uh, The Untold Story of Sita, which takes place uh, during the time of of, of Sita in Ram in India, which are uh, that was a critical uh, those are critical figures um, in India, and again I thought, well, okay, so I've had these experiences. Um, now what? <laughs> And then I happened to be traveling again and um, had the further experiences, which I, which I narrate in, um, in When the Bright Moon Rises, Awakening Ancient Memories, which go back further in time. Uh, and we have to realize that we've, been out, we've all been around for a very, very long time, uh, you know, <laughs> tens or hundreds of thousands of years through many lifetimes. We don't remember because it would be overwhelming. But every now and then... So many people that I've spoken to get peaks from the past. You know, a person who's so familiar, uh, you know, a skill that they just naturally have. And so we, we have a lot of indications, but we're meant to focus on this life. And so we it's, it's not helpful to get so distracted. But this has been a, a specific uh, uh, gift or, or, or for some reason I've been able to uh, have these experiences of remembering the past. And so when I was brought back into an earlier time, it was very, very interesting for me because it was not long after uh, when the ice had melted. You know, 11,000 BCE, the earth went through an experience where the glaciers melted and there was huge, the oceans rose 400 feet. It's That memory is a collective memory that's come to us when we talk about the flood, the great flood. Every tradition has a story about the Great Flood. It's couched in religious terms, but it was a scientific event. The glaciers did melt at about 11,000 BCE, and the oceans did rise, and there was a lot of dislocation of the, of the human community and places where you couldn't uh, inhabit, like parts of Europe, half of North America, which was under ice. Suddenly, forests bloomed and people were able to move around. So this this story that begins at around that time, um, not quite that far back in time, but when there's still migrations going on, because it didn't happen overnight. The ice melted over a period of, of hundreds, maybe even a few thousand years. Um, and so land mess, land, lands were covered, people had to move around. Um, and so it was the beginning of settlements uh, of, of what we call modern society, uh, where agriculture suddenly, uh, people were now settled along the rivers, they had to move away from the coasts, and forests were growing, and there was a lot of food in the forest. So I, I, I was able to peer back into that time, which actually was a much more harmonious time on Earth. In the Eastern tradition, it was considered to be a higher age. And harmonious in that um, there, was, there was not a lot of fighting over territory or greed or, or you know, mm-hmm. gobbling up of resources. People lived pretty much very simply in harmony with the natural world, uh, taking what they needed, and most it was provided for. Uh, so I think it's interesting as we stand at the, the stage where we're at now when we're destroying so much of the environment, for us to remember that there was a time when we lived in harmony with the natural world, and, and, um, and it was... A, a, some of those simple values may do us well right now. 
to, to, to see how we can simplify our lives so that we cause less destruction and we can create more harmonious societies. So that was very interesting for me. And then I saw a whole scenario of this young woman that I, that I is the central character, um, uh, falls in love with a man who she can't be with, and she's eventually sent out of the community and uh, um, takes a vow. She's so angry that she won't see him again for 10,000 years. And that mm-hmm. story ends, and then we, then we find ourselves in China about 9,000 years later, <laughs> and that's where the love finds fulfillment in, in, um, in China. Wow. Yeah, um, so I want to kind of – well, let, let's take a, a look at uh, um, the time period. Now, this was far earlier than – any of your previous experiences, correct? I mean, that's yeah, about, the farthest yeah. that's gone back? About 8,000 BCE. It's the farthest I've gone back, yeah. Okay, so now do you, um, okay, recognizing that we have these past lives and that, um, like you, you mentioned, we, you know, recall of all of them would drive us absolutely bonkers. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a good thing we don't, um, you know, remember the details of all of them. But do you feel that the glimpses that you talked about that we get, um, that those are um, meant to be um, like a, a guidance um, to, uh, to our current, uh, current situation? Yeah, I think that especially in, in the – first part of life, you carry over a lot of your tendencies. I saw this my, with my children, that they, the things that they excelled at in the previous birth, that's what was strongest with them in their, in their, in their early years. Um, but, but you don't, we're not, we're not, um, we're not really uh, uh, encouraged or we don't repeat what we did already. We're meant to grow and explore. So I saw how the interest that they had had slowly begins to fade away and new interests mm-hmm. develop, things that they couldn't really explore at an earlier time. So I think that, that there are, everybody has indications. It comes out in two ways. It comes out with relationships. I mean, how many people have said, you know, it's love at first sight, right? You know, they just immediately connected right away. Well, that's, that's a previous relationship. That doesn't happen unless you've already connected before and it may be that there have been one or two or three relate you know times where you've come together but it's not been quite right it didn't work out or you couldn't be together Mm -hmm. or whatever and then this life it all comes together it's like everything is aligned for that relationship to fulfill itself and then there are relationships that are problematic uh that are that are difficult and you know that, that that's something left over from the past, that, that difficulty, and that if you don't work it out now, you'll have to work it out in the future. So best to work it out now. Um, and then I think also in people's work relationships, you know, when you're, when you're uh, drawn to a certain field, you know, uh, sometimes it's something that you've wanted to do but you haven't been able to. Or if something mm-hmm. is very easy for you, you've already, you've already spent time developing that skill. Um, so I think that, that it's a matter of sort of being attentive to your life and sort of doing introspection uh, and, and seeing where – and then there's, there's um, 
there's there's the, the the blessings that come, the good karma, so to speak, where things are easy, you know, like you just have a wonderful marriage and you know, well, that's just, you know, result of past things and this is, I'm getting the blessing in this life. And then there are things that we have to work on. Everybody's got something that they have to work on. Uh, you know, whether it's a work situation, a relationship mm-hmm. situation, or a financial situation. But I think it's yeah. helpful to know that we have been everything, that we have been every race, we've been every religion, we've been men and women, and we've been everything. And it helps you get over any kind of bias when you realize that you have been there too. You've been rich, you've been poor, you've been a king, a queen, you know, you've been a peasant, you've been, you've been, we've, we've, we have to go through the gamut of experiences in order to learn everything that we need to learn. Right, right. Yeah, and um, so do you feel that um, the, um, what we see coming kind of to the forefront right now, for example, the, the Asian, the violence against Asian people, um, yeah. you know, do we feel, do you feel that, I mean, you know, I, I can understand you know, going through the different lifetimes and gaining the perspective of those that lifetime, you know, being black or being a woman or being short, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, but the thing is, is that um, it seems to me that there should be, there would be an intrinsic learning from that experience. Like, how does yeah. that make you feel, you know, that kind of carries over. So is that, and, and Maybe if that is is or isn't achieved, maybe that's what leads to, you know, current a current lifetime of behavior in a current lifetime that's, you know, not loving. You know, I I went through a transformation in writing this book. I have I have long felt affinity with India, and knew that it had many lives okay. in India, but I felt no affinity with China. And as a matter of fact, you know, I I I have very I'm very sympathetic to the whole Tibet issue, and so I was I've, I've been um, not feeling warm about China mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> and then I when I was yep. I had these experiences of a life in China, and there are actually three lives that I talk about in China, and it 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 touched me so deeply. Of course, in that life that I, uh, the main life that I talk about in the book, I was a poet in in the 18th, 8th century China in the Tang period, which was a time of cultural flourishing, and I was an unknown poet, not 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 remembered, but I was married to a very famous poet named Li Bai, who's even in China today very much beloved, and um, I, I lived this. We lived this life, and we lived this reality. I had always loved poetry in my youth, but I hadn't written poetry in years. Suddenly, as I'm writing this book, I start writing poetry again. And mm. I, I, it changed my whole attitude toward China. I fell in love with China. I fell in love with the China that I knew, the, 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 yeah. the, the, the spiritual China. I didn't know anything about Taoism. Suddenly, I'm immersed in mm-hmm. Taoism and Taoist teachings, and I fell in love with Taoism. And I just wanted to read Lao Tzu, <laughs> and um, uh, you know, I, it 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 and it's never left me since I finished the book. I mean, I have a very deep appreciation now for for Taoism, and for Chinese culture. 
Now, I separate out any kind of political system from the, from the culture of the people. Right. You know, uh, because, you know, political systems come and go. You know, they have their own agendas. Uh, and, and I can't find many, I can't find any political system I really think is perfect, right? Um, <laughs> right. They yeah. all have their flaws. Um, but the culture is, is the deeper expression of the aspirations mm-hmm. of the people. And especially now with this tension, so I dedicated the book actually to the people of India and China because the first part of the book takes place in India and then it moves to China and many of the figures who were there in India show up again thousands of years later in China because we, we you know, we're all transnational. We, we, we don't get reborn in the same place each time. That, that, that would not be much learning. We have to go and experience other things. You know, China and India are having a lot of uh, tension right now, border tension. And uh, I, and my hope is that the wisdom of these two great cultures can again come forward and guide, rather than the political interests. You know, uh, this territory, yeah, that yeah. territory. You know, uh, that the that the wisdom, because the wisdom is the same. I mean, I start off talking about the Vedas, and I end up talking about about the Taoists, and it's the same teaching, really, articulated in a different way, because it's thousands of years at a different time. Right. Uh, but the teachings, the teachings mm-hmm. are the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it is interesting. You know, and it is, I can see that, you know, it is important to separate out the culture from the politics, you know, because there's, I mean, and it's, it's a difficult, difficult thing to do when, you know, they're coexisting right now, you know, um, so, but but um, I think kind of um, keeping the the focus on on the culture is a is a wise way to go. I mean, I think one of the pitfalls of our education here in the U.S. is that we don't learn enough about other cultures. Um, yeah. We have a very mm-hmm. Western skew education system, uh, and and. We're now a world community. I mean, the, the the world has become so much smaller, especially through, you know, online. I mean, today I had a Zoom call with people in India and then and 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 uh, somebody in in Italy. I mean, we we are we are, are a small global community now, mm-hmm. and and not to know about other cultures is a tremendous disadvantage. And I think that it's not just U.S. education. I think it, it, this is a problem around the world that they, we don't learn really about the the beauty of other cultures, what their contribution has been. Yeah, yeah. And and so I think you know a lot of this violence that we see now is ignorance. It just comes out of ignorance. You know, I mean, people are are committing violence against someone who looks Asian, but they have no idea where that person comes from. It could be a country that has nothing to do with China. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's that. It's a judgment, you know, and it's just um, not respecting the other individual, you know, period. <laughs> no matter yeah. who they are, where they're from, how they look, none of that matters other than that they're unique. Um, now, in, in your book, you talk about cosmic forces and, and deities. Um, can you tell us a little bit of, about deities and, and their presence in your book? So, so the Vedic, the, the the Vedic knowledge is is probably the oldest that we can access, and it, it's it's um, about 10,000 BCE, 
when these rishis, these seers of ancient India, began to chant and sing their what they were perceiving, um, uh, the wisdom that they how they saw the universe, and um, they they couched it in poetry. So they were poet seers, and they couched it in imagery that's um, th- that's very hard. First of all, it was a it was an ancient form of Sanskrit. So even if you know Sanskrit today, th- this was an ancient ancient form. So to understand it is very difficult. You really need a guide. And so they talked about these cosmic forces. One of them is Indra, which is the main force they talk about. Uh, and over time, he got personified. He got humanized. He got to be just, you know, a man sitting on a cloud, sort of throwing thunderbolts. Hmm. But according to the Vedic seers, he was, th- th- this power was the higher mind, the, the illumined mind, the enlightened mind. And that's what they were striving for. They were striving for illumination. They were striving to understand the nature of the universe and calling upon the higher wisdom, the wisdom of the illumined mind to, to illuminate them, to, to, to grant them insight into the workings of the universe. They, they had incredible uh, knowledge of astronomy and mathematics. Uh, uh, but because it was all oral, there was no writing until thousands and thousands of years later, um, uh, it, it, it very little of it got passed down. I mean, we know very little. We, we call anything before 3000 BCE, we call that prehistory because we don't have written records of it. Writing didn't come down until about 3000 BCE. Anything before that, there's no written record of. And we have, we have very few artifacts of that um, because, you know, earthquakes and floods and all that, the, the, things, the earth is constantly changing. But these ancients, these ancients, had a great deal of knowledge, and um, there are a few modern philosophers who who are able to uh, translate for us what their world vision was. And so they talked about the external forces, which we call the gods, as being also internal forces within us. Uh, So that, so this, this force, this kind of, that, that illuminates us, the illumined mind, um, uh, is something that we have within us, but also you can pray, pray to it, you know, pray to it for your mind to open, to pray for you to receive more insight and knowledge about the about the universe. The sun to them was a symbol, a symbol of 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 again this enlightened enlightened state. And so when they prayed to the sun, they weren't praying to the physical sun; they were praying for what the sun represented, the the the, the light of of wisdom. Uh, and so mm-hmm. the oldest of their prayers is the prayer that the light of wisdom illumine their mind just as the sun, the physical sun illumines the sky. And so mm-hmm. everything was symbolic to them. All of the outer forces that we see were just symbolic of higher truths. Um, and, and it very much got uh, misunderstood and watered down with the passage of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Um, I didn't realize that. The origins, you know, that uh, you know, and the personification um, aspect. So now, the um, deities are these cosmic forces. Are, are these um, forces to be worked with? What, yes. What? What? How? How do they appear for us? So. Or so. 
so oh, they're, 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 I mean, in the Western tradition, you might call them angels, okay. right? You might, okay. you might say that, that there is this one, the unmanifest, right? The formless, man, unmanifest, supreme source of all, the initial cause, right? What we might call God, right? But the universe is so vast, not just the physical universe, there are the subtler dimensions, too, that you need many beings to keep it all going and to keep it in balance. So the law of cause and effect of karma is really the universe seeking equilibrium. Any energy you put out has to find its return. That's a, a, it's like a law of physics. In the law of physics, you have gravity. Whatever, or you have the, you know, whatever mm-hmm. energy is put out comes back. So the law of cause and effect on a spiritual plane is any thought or action that has a, has a rebound. And that's the universe seeking the state of equilibrium. Now, there are many, many forces that, have, that help maintain that state of equilibrium. Um, if you just look at the physical universe, you see that there are laws scientists don't understand. We don't even understand what electricity is. We can observe it and, and say it's there, but we don't really understand how it works. Magnetism, we don't understand how that works. We understand very little about the, the functioning of the universe, the physical universe. Uh, and, and, and science is just at the beginning to discern that there are other dimensions that, because we know that our perceptions, when you think about it, something that takes you know uh, uh, thousands of light years to come to reach us may not even be there anymore. So what we look at the sky and we see, well, all those things, half those things may not even exist anymore because it's taken so long for us to get the light from there. So mm-hmm. we, we don't really, we can't say that we see reality as it is. We see the reality that we've constructed as a, as, a, as a common reality for us to live in. But uh, our, our sights can only see within certain spectrum. Our, our ears can right. only hear within a certain spectrum. So we don't know how much we're not seeing and hearing, right? <laughs> so these right, subtle exactly. dimensions, which we might call the celestial worlds, um, the, now we would call them other dimensions that, that our eyes can't pick up on. According to the Eastern traditions and the higher ages, it's true in the West too. When they talk about the Garden of Eden, in 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 in, in a higher age when when man lived in a more harmonious way with the natural world, um, they could see these uh, beings from other dimensions. That's why they conversed with the angels in the Western world. So what we what we in the West would call angels, they would call devas or devis, which just mean beings of light. They're beings of light. They don't they don't have uh, uh, atomic bodies, they have light bodies. Uh, and we know that there are many, many beings who keep this whole thing functioning and working uh, and guiding us, uh, guiding us. I mean, in the book, I talk about some of the sages who I had come in contact with, uh, some of the, the, wise, the, wise, the enlightened figures who were doing the work on earth of these, uh, being guided by these uh, heavenly creatures heavenly beings. So I think we have to just acknowledge that there are all sorts of beings in this universe and we can't be so self-centered to think that we're at the top of the pinnacle, you know, we're the, we're the highest of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I'm sure, too, that we're not <laughs> kind of high up on the, the scale of things, um, knowing just how, how destructive we are. But anyway, um, I want to take a, a quick break, Dina, um, and then um, when we come back, um, I want to talk a little bit about sound 
in, in the importance of a mantra and, you know, just um, a little bit um, about that, okay? Okay, okay. Great. So everyone sit in, we'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Dina Miria, and we're talking about her newest book, When the Bright Moon Rises, The Awakening of Ancient Memories. Again, you can find out more um, about Dina and her work by visiting the website Global Peace Initiative of Women, and that is G-P-I-W, so www.gpiw.org. Um, okay, with that, we're back, Dina. Good. So we're going to talk about okay, mantra. Great. Yes, mantra. Let, let's talk about that. Um, talk about the importance of it and, and um, yeah. So um, even in the Western tradition, uh, this, this was known in, in, I think, the very, very beginning of the Bible. It says, in the beginning was the word. The word is vibration. I mean, what do they mean by that, the word? They don't mean the spoken word, you know, like hello. <laughs> vibration. Out of the unmoving came vibration, and vibration was the first uh, step toward manifestation uh, creation. Um, in, in, in the higher ages, or enlightened people even today, know, how, know, know the power of vibration. And mantras are certain words that it's not just when pronounced properly, but it's the intention. And you need a very focused and strong mind to have the intention. It can both create and it can destroy. There were, I mean, even recently, in the last hundred years in, in uh, Tibet and other places, they, they had mantra weapons where, where people would have battles based on mantras. And the mm-hmm. famous Mahabharata war in India about 1200 BCE, they used mantras uh, with their missiles. They had mantra missiles. Um, And so there's tremendous power in vibration uh, uh, to do what the mind directs it to do. It could break apart an atom. 
it, it, it's, it's all the power of the mind. I mean, so much comes back to the mind, and this is what the Rishis realized, which is why they kept praying <laughs> for the for the for the uh, uh, enlightened enlightened mind. I mean, we use so little of our brain capacity, a fraction of it, mm. but the enlightened mind, the fully awakened mind, has can do phenomenal things. I mean, everything is within the power of the mind. And uh, and that's 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 a hard thing for us to understand today, um, but but uh, I think increasingly science is doing research with the power of the mind. Uh, they have they have I know uh, there are labs that are doing research on called what is it called a far viewing, where with the mind mm-hmm. you, you say what's going on you know in another room in another building. Uh, the mind has enormous capacity that we haven't tapped, uh, enormous ability to know things, to see things, to create things. And uh, in, in, after the melting of the ice, the human community was much smaller. There were great rishis around who understood this, had this mental power, and helped with the creation of the early societies, providing for the needs of the people. And they were just kind of the beloved babas, the fathers of the, of the, of the time. Um, you know, we have that. It's in all the traditions, you know. I mean, by the time we come down to the Western tradition of Abraham, he also saw the angels. The angels came to him. Well, you know, another guy could be sitting next to him and not see those angels, you know. So it's what gave him the yeah. ability to perceive um, you know, he was he was uh, he was in tune with the higher energies of the universe, um, and and that was already a, a, a declining time, 2000 BCE, 3000 BCE. You know, that's very different from the time that I, I go back to, uh, which was uh, even even before um, writing. You know, when there was mental communication, so it is said that people could communicate through telepathy. Which we know people can develop that skill today, but it was more commonplace then. So the power of the word with vibration, and even now, you know, all spiritual teachers talk about the power of affirmation. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you if you have a focused mind and do affirmation, it brings a result. There's no question about it. You know, it's just that many of us don't have a focused mind. We get distracted. You know, after a few minutes, we give up. But if there's something that you want. You know, uh, uh, there are many kind of modern articulations about this. There's something that you want, and you really are dedicated to it, and do your affirmations. In some form, it will manifest to you, unless they're really karmic blockages, and for some reason it can't. Yeah. um, Let's talk a little bit about um, reincarnation. Um, You know, since we're talking past lives, obviously reincarnation is a is a natural i mean that's part of the part of the, the process um do you feel that um and i know in eastern thought you know reincarnation was kind of like a no-brainer in a way you know it's kind of been around for a while and accepted for, you know um but um in in the western side of things it doesn't seem to be um, still, there still seems to be some hesitancy. What, what is your feeling about just the um, the awakening to that, you know, from from this Western Western perspective, and and um, 
do you think it's increased? You know, how, how's it uh, been in this the new energy here? I think it's. I think this, the um, the the acceptance of reincarnation is much more prevalent now than it was 20, 30 years ago uh, in the West. Uh, I mean, I think first of all, it's in all the Western traditions. I mean, in all the mystical uh, uh, channel uh, parts of the of the of the traditions, it was there, and it, even in Christianity, it was accepted until some pope decided it didn't serve the church to have this to have people know this. Better they think that they, if they're if they're not they got one shot at it. If you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. You got one shot. That's it. But <laughs> it 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 doesn't. Um, to me, that was always a, I couldn't could never understand that that line of thinking. I ex- I accepted this from a very early age, and then when I began having my own experiences, I actually was something of a detective. I checked them out. Places that I hadn't heard of when I started seeing, I started going and investigating those places. I actually even took trips to places to see if what I had seen actually matched the reality, uh, because I wanted to know that you know what you know. Am I imagining this, or is, or is this real? And actually, you know, what is imagination? I think a lot of it is m- memories uh, that we that we have. Um, I, I think when I when I did my published my first book. Um, called My Journey Through Time, I did a lot of interviews and, and a lot of questions came in and I was surprised at how many people have had past life experiences. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily, they can't place them, but they know, often it's about relationships. You know, that something just seems so yeah. right and that, that, that they just know this is not the first time round. Um, and, you know, I think that, that a, a lot of it is an intuitive that people sense this um and they know they know I mean, just think how much it would change though the the big shift that came for me when i when i started remembering my past birth changed my whole relationship with death yeah you know yeah. you know it just it changed everything you know it's it's like and then you start to say well you know who am i you know it's like you're acting you're an actor in a play and you play this part but don't get too attached to that part that's not who you truly are because next week you're going to be playing another part, you know. So, mm-hmm. so, so it, it 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 makes you go deeper into who you truly are and what you carry with you. And you know, a lot of our traits stay with us. A lot of our interests stay with us because we accumulate. It's like we keep bringing with us <laughs> what we've learned <laughs> right, and what we've gained right. <laughs> um, right. until exactly. finally we we say. Um, uh, you know, we we graduate. You know, yeah. I've been through this course enough times. I'm ready to go into another higher course. Yep, exactly. Well, do you know we we have someone in the chat room that has a question. I was wondering if I could read you the question and sure. get your your take on it. Okay, um, it says that um, I was listening to healing frequencies and singing bowls in my house on Sunday while meditating. Yesterday, the tenants said that they were moving. The frequencies were to remove negative energies in the home. Uh, was this the catalyst for them to say that they were leaving, or was the universe preparing me for this? So they, so, so they were doing uh, uh, the, the, the yeah, healing bowls. Yeah, listening to healing frequencies, right. Uh-huh. And then somebody in the building said that they were moving. Yeah. <laughs> 
And, well, it's and, hard to and, tell and the cause-effect relationship. Are they, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. I, you know, I think I think that that a lot of that energy work uh, works on the inner field. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of inner healing that takes place. Um, you're you're kind of attuning your your psychic vibrations to higher energies. So you're you're doing work within yourself. I don't know what effect. If they were hearing the the, the bowls or not, uh, but in any case, if they're leaving, they're meant to go. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, exactly, exactly. It's hard to say what what the cause was, but they're they're going right, they're going right. on. So whatever it is, they're meant to yeah. go. <laughs> well, you know, and, and you know, if the you know the idea of med- meditating was to remove negative energy, you know that um, you know to look at that as you know, um, even if it weren't directly, you know, a negative effect, that there, there might be creating an opportunity or an opening for something better, you know, so it's a positive kind of influence to be moving in. Yeah. I mean, as, you know, as these yeah. these practices kind of elevate our own frequency, we're affecting the mm-hmm. collective. So I, I think that... that um, with this, we can talk for for a minute about the COVID situation, because that really has has kind of like uh, clobbered us all in the head, presenting many opportunities, um, as as well as a time to really look at our collective lives, right? Our collective, our society, and um, so many more people are doing practice now because they're staying at home. I know there's the other side of it of people feeling lonely and depressed, but those who have a spiritual practice. Or using the time to do a spiritual practice, and I deeply believe that that's going to affect how we emerge out of this. You know, it's very important now for us to to um, to raise the the energy level, consciousness of the planet and of our country, uh, so that we can move into a more harmonious place. And and everybody's effort contributes to the whole. Uh, and so I think that that this time of um, sort of retreat can be used to, to bring about some positive changes. Like it is being used to bring about some positive changes in yeah. spite of the collective suffering. Yeah, you know that's. Uh, I mean, I've you know, when I kind of look at this from a, a distance, you know, there were a lot of positive things that came out, like out of, out of so much. Um, despair, um, and and it really to me it just seemed to um, be a kind of like a wake up call. Not a wake up call, maybe just a a little you know raise awareness kind of thing of just the the impact you know that we have on on our planet and then also on each other. You know, being around or not being around someone, and uh, to me it seems like it's um taking people from a point of taking things for granted to now looking at things with different eyes. So I can't help but think that uh, there's got to be a major shift in the collective thought. We'll see. We'll see as we come out of this. Um, But I think it's kind of like a reformatting. Um, And I don't think things Mm -hmm. are going to go back to the way they were before, even just in people's work. I mean, people now see Mm -hmm. that a lot – a lot can be done just from home. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, and that and that there's benefit in doing it in, in that way. Uh, it's conserving your energy and you know not polluting the planet so much and being more connected to actually the place where you live. Uh, I think that there are a lot of a lot of benefits. Um, I know so many people have said to me they've become much more attentive to nature just by stopping and pausing and having more time to walk uh, and to be outside. Um, so I think that, there, that I mean, the glass can always be half empty or half full. And so you can look mm-hmm. at, 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 at the suffering which is there or you can look at the growth that can take place as a result. And I think we all always have to, you know, use our our, our challenges to to grow individually and collectively as a as a human society. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and you know, it is perspective, you know. And um, but you know, to me, it seems that you know the I'm afraid when it comes to the the impact that we have on the planet won't that'll I'm afraid that will rebound. Terribly, you know. To, I mean, when when we saw so many um, positive signs, like you know, seeing fish in the canals of Venice, or having no, you know, pollution over China, you know, those those kinds of things that happened during the height of of that pandemic, you know, those were to me, those were like, you know, blinking blinking lights, you know, to tell us, you know, look at look at what look at the impact. But um, yeah. I don't know what you're going to do in that particular when it revolves around our connection with the planet. What do you do? You, I mean, I, I heard a little bit of um, skepticism or, or you know, hope that we you know would learn from it, um, but maybe not. You know, there's always a chance that we don't. You know, I think I think that's the big question. Because if we don't learn, then something else will come. I mean, we have to we have to learn eventually. You know, sometimes you make the same mistake three or four times, <laughs> but on the fifth time uh-huh. you get it. You say, "Oh, I've done this so many times before." Uh-huh. Each time I get uh-huh. hit on the head, I stop not knocking your head yeah. against the wall because it hurts. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that that our species, the human species, often doesn't learn the first time round. Um, yeah. uh, it it takes repeated uh, lessons for us to really get it. But I think we have no choice but to change course. We have to change course, you know. know, Otherwise, we're going to be running into trouble in terms of our water, even food security. Um, uh, Oceans are going to be rising. I mean, you know, we we can't just sit still and do nothing (laughs) unless we're willing to watch large populations just disappear. Yeah, it, um, it it certainly is a, a point of the um, critical point in, in our history. It's a critical point, you know, and I've and I've often thought, you know, the, the situation that we have with all the migrants trying to come into the U.S. This is like a preview. They're talking about tens of millions of of mm-hmm. uh, climate migra- uh, uh, refugees. You know, all the people in the islands. Where are they going to go? <laughs> Right. You know, mm-hmm. so so we we have to get, get a handle on the situation, and I think that that uh, without the wisdom, you know, so often humanity gets the technology before we have the wisdom to know how to use the technology, to know how to use mm-hmm. it without causing destruction, 
And and now we need to catch up and get the wisdom, which is why I think the whole consciousness movement and the meditation movement is spreading so rapidly. I, 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 there's, a, there's a need for people to... Um, you know, to open to open our eyes and to see how we can live more peacefully with each other and with the with the with the earth. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I hear this from people over the world, young people in particular. Um, young people get this, you know, because they they they're wondering what 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 world are they going to have in twenty thirty years when they're at their kind of peak. Oh yeah, when and when you're looking at the. Trajectory of things. I mean, you know, it's you know, and and they're smart. <laughs> you know, I mean, they've got you know the at their fingertips. You know, they can uh, be chatting with their friends across the world. Um, so, yeah, so they're very um, aware. Uh, now, w- with the when it comes to the your books, you know, there are often messages for women. Um, so. With the, the ancient Veda clans, apparently, were ruled by women. So tell us a little bit about about the Vedic and, and maternal, um, I mean, the matriarchal kind of system that they had. Well, in in in, in earlier times, um, there was there was not um, a gender imbalance. So there were clans that were run by women. There were clans that were run by men. There was no no. It didn't have to be one way or the other. The particular clan that that I that I described was one that that had been under the direction of women. Um, same thing with the rishis. There were women rishis, male rishis, uh, women saints, male saints. Um, but but over the course of time, as society got more segmented, you know, it was very fluid in the earlier days of social organization. You know, and a lot of a lot of the earliest uh, um, figures of, of 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 deities or female. I mean, going back tens of thousands of years, they found goddess figures. So 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 the women. So there was not much of a division. Uh, it, it was equal: a man deity of a female deity, a male teacher, female teacher, male leader, female teacher. But it it was really with the, with the declining times that a, a, a patriarchal mindset. Um, began to organize society and so, and over time you know it was, it was a gradual thing uh where the women were not regarded as leaders either leaders of a clan spiritual teachers they were really had a secondary place um but that happened you know the the ancients talk about the yuga cycles the higher age and then the kali yuga and it was really as as uh, the Kali Yuga is defined by a more focus on material development and less on spiritual truth, less on, 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 on spiritual knowledge. And with the loss of spiritual knowledge and the focus on uh, development of the societies, that's when armies came in, that's when wars came in, that's where women were uh, uh, assigned to a secondary class. Uh, all those things has happened um, together. And until we come to, you know, our modern society where we're trying to break out of those things now. And what we have to really, I mean, I think there's been a lot of progress in terms of gender balance. We haven't dealt with the issue of violence yet, of, of how no. to develop a less violent society. I mean, there were no, there were no organized wars at those times. You know, mm. there may have been figures who were problematic that, that you know, fights, 
one and mm-hmm. one, you know, <laughs> David and Goliath. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But but no no standing armies and and, and yeah. Yeah. machine you know weapons factories and things like that. That's you know we talk we think as, uh, that we're such an advanced society. It depends upon what your values are. It doesn't seem so advanced to me, <laughs> you know. Uh, when we're yeah. killing each other the way we are. Yeah, to me, to me, the the violence aspect is, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's just so senseless. Um, and most of the time, there it's over, you know, ideology. You know what I mean? It's things that what someone believes is different from what you believe. So, you know, you have to go. Kind of. I mentality. think that with the development of of, of society this idea of domination came in, which did not exist in the past. There was no concept of domination. But this idea of domination came in, um, men dominating women, uh, all of us dominating all of the natural world, one race better than another, one religion better than another. Uh, Something has to be, we always have to make whatever we belong to better than the other, Uh, one (laughs) nation better than the other. And this this concept of of domination of being superior is is um, a, a tremendous weakness that we have to overcome that we have to outgrow, and that's I think what part of the struggle now. I think we're at an evolutionary moment where we have to come into a more harmonious and loving relationship with the natural world, so that we take care of it, help it thrive. And we also have to come into a, a, a more equal relationship with each, with other people. So, you know, it's like yeah. you don't have to, to make yourself appear taller. You cut off the head of the man in front of you. But you're not, not you're just kidding yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much. So, um, Pastor, we're almost down to the end of the show already. <laughs> we've only got a few minutes left. Um, so, uh, can you, what, what do you hope that the, the readers will take away Um from reading um, when the bright moon rises, I hope that they that they take away um, the understanding that that love is the most powerful force in the universe, and that love survives death or, or shift from one body to another. People we have loved, we will meet again, um, and and um, there are many loving forces that are helping us achieve our our goals and aspirations, whether we can see them or not, whether we're aware of them or not, everybody has guidance of loving beings who are, who are helping them achieve their potential. And it may be over many, many lifetimes. I mean, we, we have uh, all the time in the world <laughs> to achieve our potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, some of us may be more in a hurry, others not. Uh, but but love love is the foundation of the universe, and I think that that's what I discovered in the writing of this book. Um, the love of the sages, of the teachers, to help us who are struggling uh, to realize one thing or another. Um, the help of the cosmic forces that are all working toward the evolution and awakening, and 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 love that we have for each other that can't be fulfilled in one lifetime. It will be fulfilled at another time. Yep. And it is a long story. It's an unending <laughs> so story. <lots> of chapters. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Very much. Well, Dina, thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed speaking with you and and, um, and appreciate your time. 
And thank you for inviting me. I enjoyed talking to you as well. And everyone, be well and take care. Absolutely. Thank you. Again, everyone, today my special special guest has been Dina Miriam. Uh, We've been talking about um, her new book, When the Bright Moon Rises, The Awakening of Ancient Memories. And you can find out more um, about Dina by visiting the website for Global Peace Initiative of Women, which is G-P-I-W. So it's www.gpiw.org. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.